0: Chapter forty nine of Lorna Doone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lorna Doone by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter forty nine. Maiden Sentinels Are Best. It was not likely that the outlaws would attack our premises until some time after the moon was risen, because it would be too dangerous to cross the flooded valleys in the darkness of the night and but for this consideration I must have striven harder against the stealthy approach of slumber. But even so it was very foolish to abandon watch, especially in such as I, who sleep like any dormouse. Moreover, I had chosen the very worst place in the world for such employment, with a goodly chance of awakening in a bed of solid fire. And so it might have been, nay, it must have been, but for Lorna's vigilance. Her light hand upon my arm awoke me, not too readily, "'and leaping up I seized my club and prepared to knock down somebody. "'Who's that?' I cried. "'Stand back, I say, and let me have a fair chance at you.' "'Are you going to knock me down, dear John?' replied the voice I loved so well. "'I'm sure I should never get up again after one blow from you, John.' "'My darling, is it you?' I cried. "'And breaking all your orders. "'Come back into the house at once. "'And nothing on your head, dear. "'How could I sleep while at any moment you might be killed beneath my window?' "'And now is the time of real danger, for men can see to travel.' "'I saw at once the truth of this. "'The moon was high and clearly lighting all the watered valleys. "'To sleep any longer might be death, not only to myself, but all.' "'The man on guard at the back of the house is fast asleep,' she continued. "'Gwenny, who let me out and came with me, has heard him snoring for two hours. "'I think the women ought to be the watch, because they have had no travelling. "'Where do you suppose little Gwenny is?' "'Surely not gone to Glen Doone. I was not sure, however, "'for I could believe almost anything of the Cornish maiden's hardyhood.' "'No,' replied Lorna, although she wanted even to do that, "'but of course I would not hear of it, on account of the swollen waters. "'But she is perched on yonder tree, which commands the Burrow Valley. "'She says that they are almost sure to cross the streamlet there, "'and now it is so wide and large that she can trace it in the moonlight "'half a mile beyond her.' If they cross, she is sure to see them, and in good time to let us know. "'What a shame!' I cried, "'that the men should sleep, and the maidens be the soldiers. "'I will sit in that tree myself, and send little Gwenny back to you. "'Go to bed, my best and dearest. "'I will take good care not to sleep again.' "'Please not to send me away, dear John,' she answered very mournfully. "'You and I have been together through perils worse than this. "'I shall only be more timid and more miserable indoors.' "'I cannot let you stay here,' I said. "'It is altogether impossible. "'Do you suppose that I can fight with you among the bullets, Lorna? "'If this is the way you mean to take it, "'we had better go both to the apple room and lock ourselves in "'and hide under the tiles and let them burn all the rest of the premises.' "'At this idea, Lorna laughed, as I could see by the moonlight, "'and then she said, "'You are right, John. "'I should only do more harm than good, "'and of all things I hate fighting most and disobedience next to it.' "'Therefore I will go indoors, although I cannot go to bed. "'But promise me one thing, dearest John. "'You will keep yourself out of the way, now, won't you, "'as much as you can, for my sake?' "'Of that you may be quite certain, Lorna. "'I will shoot them all through the hay-ricks.' "'That is right, dear,' she answered, "'never doubting but what I could do it. "'And then they cannot see you, you know. "'But don't think of climbing that tree, John. "'It is a great deal too dangerous. "'It is all very well for Gwenny. "'She has no bones to break.' "'None worth breaking, you mean, I suppose. "'Very well, I will not climb the tree, "'for I should defeat my own purpose, I fear, "'being such a conspicuous object. "'Now go indoors, darling, without more words. "'The more you linger, the more I shall keep you.' "'She laughed her own bright laugh at this, "'and only said, "'God keep you, love.' "'And then away she tripped across the yard "'with the step I loved to watch so. "'And thereupon I shouldered arms "'and resolved to tramp till morning.' for I was vexed at my own neglect, and that Lorna should have to write it. But before I had been long on duty, making the round of the ricks and stables, and hailing Gwenny now and then from the bottom of her tree, a short, wide figure stole towards me, in and out the shadows, and I saw that it was no other than the little maid herself, and that she bore some tidings. Ten on em, cross the water down Yorna,' said Gwenny, putting her hand to her mouth, and seeming to regard it as good news rather than otherwise.' be all creeping up by the hedgerow now i could shut dree on em from the bar of the gate if so be i had your goon young man there is no time to lose gwenny run to the house and fetch master stickles and all the men while i stay here and watch the rickyard perhaps i was wrong in heeding the ricks at such a time as that especially as only the clover was of much importance but it seemed to me like a sort of triumph that they should be even able to boast of having fired our yard therefore I stood in a nick of the clover, whence we had cut some trusses, with my club in hand and gun close by. The robbers rode into our yard as coolly as if they had been invited, having lifted the gate from the hinges first on account of its being fastened. Then they actually opened our stable doors, and turned our honest horses out, and put their own rogues in the place of them. At this my breath was quite taken away, for we think so much of our horses. By this time, I could see our troopers waiting in the shadow of the house round the corner from where the dunes were and expecting the order to fire, but Jeremy Stickles very wisely kept them in readiness until the enemy should advance upon them. Two of you lazy fellows go, it was the deep voice of Carver Doone, and make us a light to cut their throats by. Only one thing, once again, if any man touches Lorna, I will stab him where he stands. She belongs to me there are two other young damsels here whom you may take away if you please and the mother i hear is still comely now for our rights we have borne too long the insolence of these yokels kill every man and every child and burn the cursed place down as he spoke thus blasphemously i set my gun against his breast and by the light buckled from his belt i saw the little sight of brass gleaming alike upon either side and the sleek round barrel glimmering the aim was sure as death itself if i only drew the trigger which went very lightly carver doon would breathe no more and yet will you believe me i could not pull the trigger Would well, to god that i had done so for i never had taken human life neither done bodily harm to man beyond the little bruises and the trifling aches and pains which follow a good and honest bout in the wrestling ring therefore i dropped my carbine and grasped again my club which seemed a more straightforward implement presently two young men came towards me bearing brands of resined hemp kindled from carver's lamp the foremost of them set his torch to the rick within a yard of me and smote, concealing me from him i struck him with a back-handed blow on the elbow as he bent it and i heard the bone of his arm break as clearly as ever i heard a twig snap with a roar of pain he fell on the ground and his torch dropped there and singed him the other man stood amazed at this not having yet gained sight of me till I caught his firebrand from his hand and struck it into his countenance. With that he leapt at me, but I caught him, in a manner learned from early wrestling, and snapped his collarbone as I laid him upon the top of his comrade. This little success so encouraged me that I was half inclined to advance and challenge Carver Doone to meet me, but I bore in mind that he would be apt to shoot me without ceremony, and what is the utmost of human strength against the power of powder? Moreover, I remembered my promise to sweet Lorna, and who would be left to defend her if the rogues got rid of me while i was hesitating thus for i always continued to hesitate except in actual conflict a blaze of fire lit up the house and brown smoke hung around it six of our men had let go at the dunes by jeremy stickle's order as the villains came swaggering down in the moonlight ready for rape or murder two of them fell and the rest hung back to think at their leisure what this was "'They were not used to this sort of thing. "'It was neither just nor courteous. "'Being unable any longer to contain myself "'as I thought of Lorna's excitement at all this noise of firing, "'I came across the yard, expecting whether they would shoot at me. "'However, no one shot at me, and I went up to Carver Dune, "'whom I knew by his size in the moonlight, "'and I took him by the beard and said, "'Do you call yourself a man?' "'For a moment he was so astonished that he could not answer. "'None had ever dared, I suppose, to look at him in that way, and he saw that he had met his equal, or perhaps his master, and then he tried a pistol at me, but I was too quick for him. Now, Carver Dune, take warning, I said to him very soberly. You have shown yourself a fool by your contempt of me. I may not be your match in craft, but I am in manhood. You are a despicable villain. Lie low in your native muck. And with that word I laid him flat upon his back in our straw-yard, by a trick of the inner hill, which he could not have resisted, though his strength had been twice as great as mine unless he were a wrestler seeing him down the others ran though one of them made a shot at me and some of them got their horses before our men came up and some went away without them and among these last was captain carver who arose while i was feeling myself for i had a little wound and strode away with a train of curses enough to poison the light of the moon we gained six very good horses by this attempted rapine as well as two young prisoners, whom I had smitten by the clover-rick, and two dead doones were left behind, whom, as we buried them in the churchyard without any service over them, I, for my part, was most thankful that I had not killed. For to have the life of a fellow man laid upon one's conscience, deserved he his death or deserved it not, is to my sense of right and wrong the heaviest of all burdens, and the one that wears most deeply inwards, with the dwelling of the mind on this view and on that of it. I was inclined to pursue the enemy and try to capture more of them, but Jeremy Stickles would not allow it, for he said that all the advantage would be upon their side if we went hurrying after them, with only the moon to guide us. And who could tell but what there might be another band of them ready to fall upon the house and burn it and seize the women if we left them unprotected. And when he put the case thus, I was glad enough to abide by his decision." And one thing was quite certain, that the Dunes had never before received so rude a shock and so violent a blow to their supremacy, since first they had built up their power and become the lords of Exmoor. I knew that Carver Dune would gnash those mighty teeth of his, and curse the men around him for the blunder, which was in truth his own, of overconfidence and carelessness. And at the same time, all the rest would feel that such a thing had never happened while old Sir Ensor was alive and that it was caused by nothing short of gross mismanagement i scarcely know who made the greatest fuss about my little wound mother or annie or lorna i was heartily ashamed to be so treated like a milksop but most unluckily it had been impossible to hide it for the ball had cut along my temple just above the eyebrow and being fired so near at hand the powder too had scarred me therefore it seemed a great deal worse than it really was and the sponging and the plastering and the sobbing and the moaning made me quite ashamed to look Master Stickles in the face. However, at last I persuaded them that I had no intention of giving up the ghost that night, and then they all fell to, and thanked God with an emphasis quite unknown in church. And hereupon Master Stickles said, in his free and easy manner, for no one courted his observation, that I was the luckiest of all mortals in having a mother and a sister and a sweetheart to make much of me. For his part, he said, he was just as well off in not having any to care for him, for now he might go and get shot or stabbed or knocked on the head at his pleasure without any one being offended. I made bold upon this to ask him what was become of his wife, for I had heard him speak of having one. He said that he neither knew nor cared, and perhaps I should be like him some day. That Lorna should hear such sentiments was very grievous to me, but she looked at me with a smile which proved her contempt for all such ideas and lest anything still more unfit might be said, I dismissed the question. But Master Stickles told me afterwards, when there was no one with us, to have no faith in any woman, whatever she might seem to be, for he assured me that now he possessed very large experience for so small a matter, being thoroughly acquainted with women of every class, from ladies of the highest blood, to Benaribus and peasants' wives, and that they all might be divided into three heads and no more, that is to say, as follows first, the very hot and passionate, who were only contemptible, second, the cold and indifferent, who were simply odious, and third, the mixture of the other two, who had the bad qualities of both. As for reason, none of them had it. It was like a sealed book to them, which if they ever tried to open, they began at the back of the cover. Now, I did not like to hear such things, and to me they appeared to be insolent as well as narrow-minded for if you came to that why not men as well as women be divided into the same three classes and be pronounced upon by women as beings even more devoid than their gentle judges of reason moreover i knew both from my own sense and from the greatest of all great poets that there are and always have been plenty of women good and gentle warm-hearted loving and lovable very keen moreover at seeing the right be it by reason or otherwise and upon the whole i prefer them much to the people of my own sex "'as goodness of heart is more important than to show good reason for having it. "'And so I said to Jeremy, "'You have been ill-treated, perhaps, Master Stickles, by some woman or other?' "'Ah, that have I,' he replied with an oath, "'and the last on earth he should serve me so, the woman who was my wife, "'a woman whom I never struck, never wronged in any way, "'never even let her know that I like another better.' and yet when i was at berwick last with the regiment on guard there against those vile moss troopers what does that woman do but fly in the face of all authority and of my especial business by running away herself with the biggest of all moss troopers not that i cared a groat about her and i wished the fool well rid of her but the insolence of the thing was such that everybody laughed at me and back i went to london losing a far better and safer job than this and all through her come let's have another onion master stickles view of the matter was so entirely unromantic that i scarcely wondered at mistress stickles for having run away from him to an adventurous moss trooper for nine women out of ten must have some kind of romance or other to make their lives endurable and when their love has lost this attractive element this soft dew-fog if such it be the love itself is apt to languish, unless its bloom be well replaced by the budding hopes of children. Now Master Stickles neither had nor wished to have any children. Without waiting for any warrant, only saying something about captus in flagrante delicto, if that be the way to spell it, Stickles sent our prisoners off, bound and looking miserable, to the jail at Taunton. I was desirous to let them go free, if they would promise amendment, But although I had taken them, and surely therefore had every right to let them go again, Master Stickle said, "'Not so.' He assured me that it was a matter of public polity, and of course, not knowing what he meant, I could not contradict him, but thought that surely my private rights ought to be respected. For if I throw a man in wrestling, I expect to get his stakes, and if I take a man prisoner, why, he ought in common justice to belong to me, and I have a good right to let him go if I think proper to do so.' however master stickles said that i was quite benighted and knew nothing of the constitution which was the very thing i knew beyond any man in our parish nevertheless it was not for me to contradict a commissioner and therefore i let my prisoners go and wished them a happy deliverance stickles replied with a merry grin that if ever they got it it would be a jail deliverance and the bliss of dancing and he laid his hand to his throat in a manner which seemed to me most uncourteous however his foresight proved too correct for both those poor fellows were executed soon after the next assizes lorna had done her very best to earn another chance for them even going down on her knees to that common jeremy and pleading with great tears for them however although much moved by her he vowed that he durst do nothing else to set them free was more than his own life was worth for all the country knew by this time that two captive doones were roped to the cider press at plover's barrows Annie bound the broken arm of the one whom I had knocked down with the club, and I myself supported it, and then she washed and rubbed with lard the face of the other poor fellow, which the torch had injured, and I fetched back his collarbone to the best of my ability, for before any surgeon could arrive, they were off with a well-armed escort. That day we were reinforced so strongly from the stations along the coast, even as far as Minehead, that we not only feared no further attack, but even talked of assaulting Glen Doon without waiting for the train burns. However, I thought that it would be mean to take advantage of the enemy in the thick of the floods and confusion, and several of the others thought so too, and did not like fighting in water. Therefore it was resolved to wait and keep a watch upon the valley, and let the floods go down again. End of chapter 49 Read by Landy in Sydney, Australia, November 2008